Welcome to Museum Way, the podcast of Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. We're sharing all the ins and outs of the museum, from the galleries to the trails, the architecture, and more. You'll learn the Museum Way of Crystal Bridges. This month, we're talking with Allison Glenn, Associate Curator of Contemporary Art, about her role in the museum and her focused exhibition, Personal Space. Then, we'll talk with Creative Director Anna Vernon and talk all about the museum's branding and design strategies. It's a good conversation today on Museum Way. We're here with Allison Glenn, Associate Curator of Contemporary Art. Allison, welcome to Museum Way. Thank you, Stace. It's so great to be here. Well, listen, you're one of our uh, newer additions to our curatorial staff. Uh, you uh, joined us in February of this year. Can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing before you joined us? Yes. So I moved here from New Orleans, uh, where I was working with the Prospect for curatorial team. And my role there was a dual role. I was the publications manager and a curatorial associate. So I basically... Um, edited the book and wrote many of the essays, worked directly with the artistic director and many of the artists to realize artist projects. All right. That's that's quite a wonderful city to work in, for oh, it sure. Was fantastic. So was this citywide kind of thing? Yeah, we were across, you know, it was the fourth iteration of Prospect New Orleans, and it was started uh, post-Katrina as a way to bring tourism to the city through arts and culture. So really this kind of... Um, nexus of art and the environment. Um, many of the artists are thinking about the city and thinking about the landscape of New Orleans, both the physical and kind of sociopolitical landscape. Um, so yeah, it was citywide. We had 17 partner venues and 19 outdoor sites. It's a total of 36 sites in the city. Wow. So uh, you also come from Chicago as well, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What did you do in Chicago? Well, in Chicago, I had many different roles. I was before I moved to New Orleans, I was the director of a commercial gallery, um, and I also worked at the University of Chicago with the artist Theaster Gates. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, Theaster Gates. Yeah. He's a legend. He is. You know, he's another artist that's thinking really critically about sight, the environment, collectivity. Okay. Well, that brings me to asking you, what is it that you're doing for us? Well, Crystal Bridges is such an incredible institution, and I feel that all of us move at an, ex an expedited rate. There's such a desire to achieve. And so I'm doing a lot of things at the museum, <laughs> but everyone is doing a lot. Yes, we're all very busy all yes. the time. So I am, as associate curator, I am responsible for thinking about collections exhibitions, so focus exhibitions that put a lens on the collection and group ideas, objects, artworks thematically. I am also responsible for the North Forest, which is a 33-acre area of land that's just north of the museum on our larger campus. And I'm thinking about exhibitions in that space and also temporary touring exhibitions. Um, so kind of just... A lot of different things, but it's, it's an interesting blend of what you've been doing before that's brought you here to... Because you're thinking inside and outside as well. Absolutely. Um, so... A lot of our guests, I think, are very curious about what a curator does. And uh, we've had conversations before about, you know, uh, what, what does a curator do? What are their responsibilities or what do they think of? And, and I was having a conversation with you, and, and you brought up the concept of curatorial style. Can you tell me a little bit about that? 
Sure. Yeah, I was recently on a panel, and uh, one of the questions that we received from the audience was, what was our curatorial style? And I opted to go last because I really wanted to give some thought. Um, And for me, my curatorial style starts with the site. So where am I? You know, what, what is the... What is the institution? What is the interior architecture? What does the collection look like? What is the audience? Um, you know, what are some of the key concerns in this area or region? So um, what can happen at Crystal Bridges might not be able to happen anywhere else, you mm-hmm. know? So my style starts first with where I'm at, and then I start to delve into things like collections, ideas. Mm-hmm. And there, there are so many ideas that are larger, you know, universal concerns that can be filtered into a local context. So I really think about pairing the, you know, international with the local um, and having some of those conversations that you'll see really play out in some exhibitions that are upcoming. Yeah, because we have a real interest of uh, here at Crystal Bridges in diversity and inclusion. And you've often talked about um, uh, the importance of uh, perspective when it comes to um, curation and, and finding a lot of perspectives, offering a lot of perspectives. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about how uh, coming into a collection uh, that you're not familiar with, how that kind of works for you? How do you get to know a collection and start thinking about the the perspectives you can bring to it? Yeah. Well, you know, I started to first look at our database and do thematic searches. So, um, because I'm in, I'm, I'm focusing on contemporary art. I'm really looking at roughly... Uh, we say 1940, but really kind of late 50s to now. And looking at objects, look, both within the database and also in our vaults, looking at um, what's on view in the galleries, thinking about the thematic groupings that already exist within the exhibition space, and then um, bringing my knowledge of diverse practices and trying to really pair it together. So uh, I've had the wonderful opportunity to think about what could be Included. What What are some other perspectives that might be able to add to the rich discourse that the Crystal Bridges collection already has? Right. So this brings us to personal space. Mm-hmm. This is one of your, I guess, your first indoor project. It right? is. Yes. Exhibition. Um, tell me a little bit about that show um, and uh, uh, your process of thinking about it. Yeah. So, you know, exhibitions, going back to that question of what does a curator do, exhibitions can happen in many forms. In this particular case, uh, there's an artwork that guests love, and it's by an artist named Allison Elizabeth Taylor, and it's called Room. And it's a room-sized installation that is made by the Intarsia process, which is inlaid wood. And um, uh, I was asked to consider this object and make an exhibition that considers what the object is saying, what it is doing. Uh, And so from there, personal space was born. And so what I'm thinking about with this exhibition is, you know, what are some of the objects that we surround ourselves with? What are some of the uh, ways that we think about interior space? How are we creating uh, and immersing ourselves in environments? And how is that a reflection of who we are as individuals? So you'll see this articulated across a few different diverse practices. Um, What I want to start with are the photographs on the lower level. So there are many depictions of artists in their personal space, whether their home or their studio. And um, there are photographs by an artist named Carrie Schneider, who's based in Brooklyn. And she was 
really inspired by Linda Nochlin's essay, Why Have There Been No Great Women Artists? And so she asked 50 women in the art world, primarily artists, to pick their favorite book by a female author and asked them to allow her to photograph and record them on video while they're reading this book in their favorite space, so whether they're home or their studio. And what's really beautiful is um, if, if you are of a chance to look at the film, after a couple hours, the sitter becomes really unaware of Carrie's presence. And, you know, you see the, the furrow of the brow, the brushing back of bangs, and, you know, these women really kind of leaning into their space and getting comfortable with the book that they're reading. And um, I thought that was a really lovely depiction of how literature can create a personal space and an environment, but also comfort. And allowing, and that, you know, allowing someone into your personal space. Uh, and then across the way from that, there will be some photographs by Kat Wilson. Kat's a Arkansas-based photographer, and she has a series, a couple different series of works. One of them is Habitat, and the other one is this larger body of work where she's been documenting Arkansas-based artists. And so um, I really, this is this this tied to the idea of sight. You know, I'm in Arkansas and and Kat's work fit the exhibition so perfectly. And when we talk about, you know, what is the space of the museum? Who is it for? Is it for local artists? Is it for international artists? Can it be for both, right? So, and, and what does it mean to have an artistic practice in Arkansas? What do some of these artists' studios look like? Yeah, exactly. And I, the other thing I love about that is, you know, part of having a, a museum like Crystal Bridges in this area has really done a lot for the local arts scene. It's brought new new artists here. It's um, it's really expanded the sort of arts consciousness of the area. And I, I love that um, we're able to find uh, the that this artist fits so perfectly with the themes of the show that you're able to um, include her in it. You know, the other thing about personal space, and as you were talking about those photographs, I was really struck by sort of the layering of, like, personal slash intimate space when you think about, okay, uh, not only is the photographer being invited into kind of the personal space of the studio or the home, but then you're photographing um, these women who are having very um, intimate uh, experiences of personal space in their minds, mm-hmm. right? So like the thing of, uh, like you mentioned, literature and how it like it brings out um, a personal, it creates a personal space when mm-hmm. we um, envision um, that kind of thing. There are other works in this show that also play on different ideas of personal space. Can you mention a couple of those? Certainly, yeah. And I really appreciate you mentioning that layering because it is, it's, there's a few meta narratives that flow throughout. Another one is intimacy, and there there are two works in the exhibition, one by Felix Gonzalez Torres and one by Ronnie Horn. And um, what these works are doing are not only creating interesting installations. One of the works is installed on the floor, and the other is leaning against the wall. So non-traditional installation techniques, but also. Uh, Felix and Ronnie had a very intimate friendship, and um, I wanted to be able to talk about how they became friends and the intimacy in their friendship as artists respecting each other's practices, and chose these two works not only for the way that they're non-traditionally displayed, but also how this relationship between artists and this, this intimacy and this allowing. Another way that personal space has played out is in the work of Genevieve Gagnard. 
Tell us about that. That's a really exciting installation. I, I don't think we've seen anything like this at Crystal Bridges yet. Yeah, I, it's uh, so Genevieve is a she's an emerging to mid career artist based in LA, and a lot of her work uh, is reliant on the tension between reality and fiction. Right, so. We could call them parafictions, um, but they're really rooted in truth. And this particular installation is called Black is Beautiful. And it's an homage to her niece who passed away in a house fire when she was eight and a half. And um, so the interior has different objects that point to childhood. Um, There's a series of cabbage patches on the doll, or there's a series of cabbage patches on the bed. There's this, um, you know... Pink is a, is a key color. Um, but there are these tells in the interior that point to a potential for um, development. So they point to this idea of aging and growing up, and um, which is something that her niece, um, unfortunately... Was denied. Yeah. 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 So it's kind, of a, it's kind of a piece of, like, memory, of grief, of hope, uh, of all these um, complicated... Um, complicated emotions mm-hmm. by a, <clears throat> I just find the concept of creating a room like that like it's like a bedroom it's like it's like going in a little girl's bedroom and then kind of knowing the impetus for the artist's expression is like it's a very powerful experience I imagine yeah it is definitely powerful and this this idea of allowing in and the idea of intimacy you know and and creating space for people to share the experience you know um is something that carries through. So it's seen in Carrie Schneider's work. It's seen mm-hmm. in, in the relationship between Felix and Ronnie. Um, and this idea of allowing is really present. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I, I like, you know, I'm thinking back to, a, to our mission, basically, of Crystal Bridges of welcoming all um, and creating this sort of uh, exhibit around just this concept of, you know, opening and uh, allowing and uh, uh, I'm kind of curious to know, is there a particular favorite space in the museum that you like? Wow. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's so tough because the museum is gorgeous. Yeah. There are so many vantage points and views that I love, and I often take photos and post them to social media of various places in the museum. So one of my favorite spaces in the museum is the long corridor that curves around to the south entrance and it connects the main lobby with the south lobby there's a particular point in that corridor where you can see 11 so you can see the bridge that 11 is on uh, and then you see the great hall and on a perfect day when the sun is shining and it's not too hot there is this reflection in the water of the trees and it's it's the most captivating space in the museum so I would say that that's my favorite spot and especially after yoga on Tuesdays when I'm all zened out <laughs> looking, yeah. looking across the water it's my favorite spot it's a good ending to a, a good yeah and you know oftentimes you can catch that at a quiet time so you know if if it's not crazy busy or whatever, but you can have a quiet moment in that spot that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also love it when you can see the turtles and the fish in the water. Absolutely. Have the little critters coming yeah. around. It's beautiful. All right. Well, Allison, we should tell everybody that personal space um, it will be on view uh, through March 2019. So we have a good few months uh, of that in our, in our personal space that we're very excited about. 
Well, Allison Glenn, Associate Curator, thank you so much for joining us today on Museum Way. Thank you, Stace. We're here with Creative Director Anna Vernon. Anna, thanks so much for being on Museum Way. Thank you so much for having me. I'm quite excited. All right. Well, let's jump into it. You know, something a lot of uh, our guests probably don't know about Crystal Bridges is that we actually have our own in-house, essentially, ad marketing PR agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're a big part of that. So tell me what you do as creative director um, in, uh, in our communication department. Sure thing. Uh, I would start by saying I feel very lucky to work at an institution that recognized early that we should have an in-house marketing firm. So we're in the communications department and I'm the creative director. So we have the creative department and we are a team of designers that essentially takes care of everything visual that's not the art. And that kind of sounds strange to say, but it's it's a way to, to communicate that we're taking care of large marketing campaigns, exhibition graphics, but then things as small as out-of-order signs or wayfinding menus. Um, so it's a little of everything, and and it's all it's all very fun. Yeah, so you also have like all of those calendars, and then uh, uh, there's also in the same kind of department uh, the digital team, so the people that do the website. I think a lot of people really don't realize how uh, – central design um, as a concept is uh, to Crystal Bridges. Like we are an art museum, clearly, uh, and we have wonderful things in the art. But like there also has to be a cohesion uh, to the design that also fits the design of the building, for example. Can you talk a little bit about like um, what your design philosophy is and and what you think about um, as a designer? My, that is a loaded question, (laughs) Um, but a fun one. One of the, so in in the design realm, it's been fascinating to see more and more companies, uh, institutions look more towards internal in-house agencies. And a lot of times that used to have this stigma because it wouldn't be as exciting or fun And what's great about uh, our museum in particular is we're essentially a microcosm of a community. We have 120 acres, so outside grounds to take care of. We have retail, a restaurant, a massive education program, not to mention the entire art side of everything. Um, And then also moving guests through the place itself. So everything changes on a daily basis, it seems, and we just, we roll with it. For strategy or, or vision creatively, we have to look at the brand on the whole as the guest experiences it. So what we've learned over the years is in the beginning, we were really focused on announcing ourselves. We are Crystal Bridges. This is who we are. Um, because so the, identity branding really was a big part of the early years. Yes. Yeah. Pe- people didn't know who we were. They didn't understand the scope of what we had to offer. Um, And then a few years ago, it became much easier working uh, regionally, nationally, internationally, because people could could more readily understand who we were. And so our branding shifted a bit to be a little simpler. Um, And overall, what we're wanting people to feel when they walk in the door or experience our brand online is a sense of welcoming, Mm -hmm. Um, being able to feel welcomed into the into the museum. for it to feel relatable uh, and not interrupt their experience with the art. 
mm-hmm. be comfortable in yes. some ways. Yes, yeah. definitely. So how do you do that from a designer's perspective um, when you're thinking about, I know that you work closely with our exhibition designer, uh, Jesse Mueller, in terms of um, uh, crafting space um, uh, inside the permanent galleries. We just did a complete reinstall of our permanent mm-hmm. galleries, for example. Um, also the large shows like um, the Beyond, uh, Art for a New Understanding, Chihuly, for example. Mm-hmm. Um how do you start thinking about those projects and and how you're going to brand what is essentially begins as a concept? Uh, that's a very good question, and the answer is there. There are two ways to go. Two ways we go about it. Uh, for a temporary exhibition, we first, you know, those those change every time. Every exhibition is unique, which keeps things really dynamic. Uh, and we look with the we look at what the curator is hoping to achieve. Um, we work with you as well. So the, inter- the curator and the interpretation, how, how do we want the guests to interact with this set of artworks? What are the goals? And that's inside the gallery. And we, I work very closely with Jesse and y'all to make sure that we're um, achieving those goals, making the guest feel as they should. So Chihuly, you know, was a, was a very fun um, eye candy type of exhibition that what attracted people very easily and then we had to more in depth make them understand how this was made the concept behind it um chihuly as a as a person but then there's something a little more tricky with the beyond uh which is pairing Giorgio o'keefe and these contemporary artists and so it has this feeling of old and new uh so so every exhibition is different and we start there but there's another side to it, and that's marketing. So inside the gallery, the artworks have a, they're contextualized with all of your wonderful words that you write. And everything kind of feels together, and there's a story being told. But in order to get people in the door, we have to realize that marketing is a different, a different beast altogether. So we do a ton of focus groups, and we work with y'all to make sure everything stays um, cohesive with the show but it it kind of changes a little how we get people in the door to get excited about the exhibition as to when they walk in the door the feeling they'll have going through the exhibition and you also mentioned galleries our early american galleries and those have a whole different um strategy you know those need to feel um those need to feel timeless they need to be be able to stand the test of time, which in our realm isn't that long, but, you know, a few years. Um, We didn't change our galleries for about six years, so they need to last, you know, five or ten years and not not get taken away with any design fad um, and be able to work with all types of art because uh, those change out. We get loans, all sorts of things, so making sure they feel a little more um, elegant, if you will, with, with the art that surrounds them. Sure, and that actually brings me to um, what uh, I think is an in- interesting question in terms of design is what is it like um, designing for a museum in particular? I mean, it's a very specific kind of client. It's a cultural institution. You know, it's a destination. Uh, certainly in this region, it's one of the biggest, you know, Crystal Bridges is one of the largest uh, tourist attracting destinations in Northwest Arkansas. Um, what what is so specifically interesting and unique uh, designing for this kind of a place? 
The the easiest way to answer that is the art. Um, it is so wonderful to be able to communicate with the visuals that we're provided, whether it's a Rothko or a Picasso that's on loan. Um, there's all or or a brand new artist who's emerging, like our state of the art exhibition. There are all sorts of art that we're able to communicate to guests, and at its at its heart, working at a museum, the most people, as you as you well know, work here because they feel drawn to communicating and helping people become more culturally aware and having good experiences with art. And so the design then reflects that. And there's also the flip side to that, and that would be working with the art can be difficult. Um, it's one of the biggest learning curves, I think, for designers when they enter the museum world is knowing about image copyrights. So we work right. very closely yes. with our registration team. Um, yeah, it is funny because this is something I have to work with as well um, in, in interpretation is that, um, you know, being able to use an image, say, in, in, ex, in an exhibition or um, in some kind of a pamphlet or, you know, program or whatever, uh, they're not all the same. No. <laughs> um, you know, whether it's a living artist or whether it's an artist estate, for example. So I can imagine that's quite a constraint when you want to use a particular image. It's definitely been um, interesting to to walk through that. And I think that our process now has been really finely honed, even though we continue to evolve it. Um, but using our community groups, we use a lot of focus groups from the area that come in and they let us know kind of their thoughts about a particular set of images. But then we also tell them at the same time, thank you so much. Now we're going to have to go talk to a registration team and figure out what is possible um, what's affordable, what we can, what we can get in terms of the actual image. It's you, you mentioned this. Each one is unique. It's fascinating that they're almost like they're little individuals themselves with how we can actually use them. So you also work with a lot of interesting materials, like hmm. that, like uh, you know, vinyl or wood or th- metal. I mean, you've done some really fascinating things. Um, what's that like being able to, to uh, utilize those kinds of materials? I, I will say that is, that is an incredibly fun part of working in a place that, you know, we have our, our bread and butter, our permanent collection that stays constant, um, even though we update it often. But, but having these temporary exhibitions come through allows for such creativity and the ability to change. So, at, but at, at every point, we're always looking back at what is best for the guest. So how does this show need to come alive for the guest? And uh, this makes me think of American Made, a show we had a couple years ago. Yeah, that the was, folk art show that we had. Yeah. Yes. So for that one, on our title wall, we did both wood and steel. And we wanted materials. I wanted materials that really felt like you could touch them, of course, if you wanted to, you could. We had those materials so that people would, you know, connect immediately to materials that they know and hopefully love and that they'll see inside the exhibition. Uh, But then for something like Chihuly, that's obviously an all glass show. So we used a gloss acrylic that had the same effect, but wasn't obviously was not glass, um, but kind of paired with that nicely. Um, so it's it's very fun. It's funny because uh, the Chihuly show, in in uh, you know contrast to some of the others, was actually fairly minimal on yes. your part. I mean, it's like it, it's part of design is also knowing when to step back 
and allow whatever material or whatever art that you're working with um, and just kind of support it. But there are other times when, um, like a, a, an exhibition that's coming up called Men of Steel and Women of Wonder, um, where there might be opportunity to really play um, with graphics. What are you, are you excited about some of the shows coming up next year? I feel that our next year or two of exhibitions is just killer. I feel like our Beyond show this past summer was outstanding. Uh-huh. Um, and then with a contemporary Native American exhibition, um, it's going to really completely uh, make you rethink what you already thought you knew. And oh my goodness, Men of Steel, Women of Wonder, I am very excited about. Um, and you're right, having the ability to kind of switch tactics and understand the exhibition, what it needs. You know, Chihuly, we knew it would be packed. We knew people would come in droves. And so allowing a lot of space uh, physically, but also visually, is what was important. Um, so everything there was handheld. And that one, you're right, was the most minimal I think we've been inside the gallery. But wow, if you came that summer, you saw all of the wayfinding. There was red all over the museum to get people from. And you argued to use that red. Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> it had to feel good in the summer and the fall. Um, so it, it, it drew you from the gallery out to the forest. But then with, with Men of Steel, Women of Wonder, it will be a different story. I'm excited to work with you on that. Um, looking at ways to really bring superheroes alive, but in ways you don't always think of. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, looks, it'll be a fun design challenge mm-hmm. for sure. So speaking of art for a new understanding, I would love to hear where, since you've, that's kind of where you're at right now, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about um, your design philosophy behind that show. Certainly. So with Art for New Understanding, we're bringing this contemporary Native American group of artists uh, and that will really, the, the goal of the show is to dispel the stereotypes that you might think of. And so that was really a fun concept to work with in design. So for marketing, we really wanted to get out of the way. You'll see a little more a simpler set of graphics, but where it lets the art really stand out. And the reason we chose to do that is because with our focus groups, we figured out that the overriding nature of the show is excitement through color. So many of the works are full of life, full of color. And so we wanted to really put that at the forefront and then also bring out the native voice from the show itself. So paired with all of our, all of our marketing materials are quotes from the artists themselves. And that is what really carries into the gallery. We have quotes from the artists themselves everywhere. And the show is set up... Um, the show is set up in three themes, three major themes. And our exhibition designer, Jesse, and the curator and interpretation manager worked through those. And Jesse's idea was to have three major colors that would carry you through the gallery and allow you to experience each theme separately. So, which I love that, that thought. So as we're working through it, we really wanted to make sure that what you're feeling in the gallery is matching the complex nature of the show. So we have contemporary artists who are making amazing work who also happen to be Native American. So there's a very complex history associated. So within the show, if you will come see it, you will see that the graphics have a color gradient. So Jessie wanted these paint colors, but she really didn't want hard lines on the wall. So we thought about doing gradients, paint gradients. So that way it softens it 
a little unexpected. It's very contemporary right now, very trendy. Um, but it also allows your mind to kind of subtly realize not everything is black and white. Not everything is A or B. You know, there's there's reasons for for a whole host of subjects to be there and and the complexities complexities that surround this show. Right. So there are a lot of um a lot of historical and legal and political, mm. personal, identity-based, a lot of uh, factual, et cetera, and experiential things that um, these artists are expressing in different ways. And uh, it seems that there is um, so much gray area, as you, if you will, in mm-hmm. it, that the gradient idea is really interesting. I mean, it makes a lot of sense that, that there's vibrant color, but that it's not uh, clean, Yes. And having having this experience of, as, as I mentioned, all of the works, a lot of the works, the overriding sense of the show is color. And so allowing the graphics to be a little minimal, but still striking was a goal. And so at the beginning and end of the show, the bookends, we combine all three color gradients into one. So it's also, you know, coming together, everything. Um, in the end, we all need to relate to each other and understand each other and where we're coming from. But then they're split up within the show into their themes. So as you walk through and you see these gradients on the wall that are with the graphics and then Jesse's incorporated them with some of the artworks to really make them pop, mm-hmm. um, as she likes to say, it, it lets you feel almost enveloped in, in a sense. So kind of a warm blanket type feel, but then the, the graphics on the wall are very strong that the fonts used are very uh, striking. And so it's both this sense of comfort, but also... Um, a, Interruption. A, a disruption, yes. Yeah. That, that kind of goes along with the entire concept of the show. And at every turn, there's the voice of the artist that we, bring, we draw back to, because that is, that is the point of the show. It's interesting that you, it's almost like you're using color as a visual uh, equivalent of a voice. Yes. Uh, color is very effective that way. I, I'm, I am a, a ty- the, I'm a type of designer that definitely always has concepts behind every use of color or font. And whether or not anyone needs to realize that or does is besides the point. But there's a reason for using it other than saying, oh, it's pretty. So it, there's always a, a reason. What's the difference between art and design? That is a really good question, Stace. Um, that is often asked. People will look at a poster or graphics on a wall and ask that question, and it's an easy answer, actually. The main difference between art and design is intent. So with art, it is all about intent, and art can be anything. With design, at its, at its core, design is problem-solving, and design is problem-solving for a particular audience. So that is that is definitely something we always hearken back to at the museum, is problem solving a design solution for whichever audience we're we're working with, and oftentimes it's a mass audience, a general audience, one that spans all ages and cultures. So we're looking at a, a set of design solutions that work for almost everyone. Along with that, and similar to art, you understand that not everyone is going to like everything. It is subjective at the end. Together, both art and design are subjective. And so it's realizing that you need to affect a solution 
that works, whether or not someone is visually attracted to it, which is, is difficult to do. Um, through all of our critiques and everything, not everyone likes everything we do on the design team, but it's about coming to a consensus, making sure we're always serving the guest who's coming in the door and not forgetting the audience we're speaking to. Well, Anna Vernon, Creative Director at Crystal Bridges, thank you so much for joining us on Museum Way. This has been a great conversation. Thanks. This was really fun, Stace. Thanks for having me. Tis the season of giving, and we hope this holiday season you'll give the gift of membership. Members enjoy free admission to temporary exhibitions, discounts on programs, and much more, all while becoming part of a vibrant community supporting the region's leading cultural institution. Share your museum with the ones you love. More info at crystalbridges.org.